Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth. Please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms to the show and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey. We'll be talking today after missing a week because my internet was down all about transfers because that's what the show is all about. We'll be talking Manchester United after they were battered by Liverpool and what they're planning to do in the months ahead. We'll talk Harry Kane, Emmy Martinez, Bruno Guimaraes, uh, Josco Gvardiol and Jude Bellingham, among others, on today's show. But I'll get in touch with the guys. Toby, West Ham, up and down. How's it going? Yeah, 4 0 1, 4 0 win, sorry, followed by 4 0 defeat. And we were really, really, really bad on Saturday. But you made me feel a hell of a lot better by shipping seven. So uh, thanks in advance for doing that, mate. Still seven points ahead of Liverpool. Uh, <laughs> But we will see. Yeah, Graham, how are you? How are you doing? Great. Yeah, um, Middlesbrough flying high under Super Michael Carrick. But yeah, um, some enjoyable games just had. I say it's, um, it's building up nicely at the bottom, isn't it? I think the um, in the top four battle. Mm, I, th- I think surprisingly, you might see Liverpool get that as I said a few weeks ago. But no, I'm looking forward to this relegation battle. It's really hard to pick at the moment. Liverpool have a difficult run of games coming up. Uh, oh, they, they do play Bournemouth first, but then I think it goes City away after the international break. Chelsea away, although Chelsea are not very good. And then Arsenal at home. Uh, and I think they also have to play Spurs before the end of the season as well. So it could be quite interesting. What we're seeing in the at the bottom of the league is I'm seeing a lot of teams win, which is interesting. Like we'll take West Ham as the example. Win 4-0, lose 4-0. Yeah. Southampton win one week get smashed the next. And there's a lot of this. Nottingham Forest, you can throw in that as well. Convincing performance one week, then get smashed the week after. Uh, And it's pretty close down there. (laughs) Is there anyone who has an upper hand here? I know Forest are kind of stepping away from it, but, you know... Depends how high you go, Scott. Scott, guys. I still don't put, for me in my heart of hearts, I don't put Leicester in it. I put Leicester, Forest in it ahead of Leicester, but the team who I've got my eye on dropping is Palace. Mm. They're really, really poor at the minute. Really poor. Whether West Ham leads never and have it in them to get past Palace, I'm not so sure. But I think West Palace could be dragged into this. A few more wins for those teams down there. You know, of all the teams played down, it sounds silly. Bournemouth are bottom, but I've been more impressed by them than I have the four teams above them, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. I think anybody from Palace down is in trouble. Palace are only five points above the drop now. So there's nine it's teams. Wolves we'll, we'll, we'll are a bit different. And the TC Wolves look good. Yeah. Yeah. But, but even they're, they're, on the got... wheel. they're on the wheel, apparently. They're on the wheel. Yeah. I think they're on an upward trajectory. Leicester, they just. I saw James Madison reply to something on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of criticism about their performance against Southampton, but they did have chances. And he kind of bit back a bit, didn't he? And said, actually, watch the game and see what we're doing. The results will come, etc. 
Um, but they're losing. The, they, the they lost beat, 15. The, the, uh, yeah, the way they beat Spurs was so good, though, wasn't it? They looked. That was one of the best performances you've seen from any team this season. How that same team can then lose to something. It's just mind-boggling, isn't it? Who are you talking about there? Tottenham. The way, sorry, Leicester, the way they beat Tottenham. Oh, so right. Amazing. Well, Tottenham are not very good, are they? And I think that is... Fourth <laughs> yeah. place Tottenham, yeah, they're not too bad. Yeah, they're not... Very... Well, I think most Spurs fans will tell you that they are not very good. And as <laughs> it happens, every season... I know Liverpool have just come off the back of a 7-0 win, but they've been smashed 3-0, 3-0, 3-0 in, in different games. It is always, fourth place, is always a race of who is the least crap. Mm. Every single year. Yep. Every so, single not, year. Not, and you are right, nine defeats to Tottenham. They've lost one more game, less, one less game than Palace. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Anyway, we're not here to talk about the Premier League table. We're here to talk transfers. Let's start with the team on the receiving end of a 7-0 drubbing at Anfield. Uh, Man United, who are third in the league, have had progress this season. Uh, but that was a lovely reminder that they have still a long way to go. Uh, your takes on the game, first of all, because I'm seeing Liverpool were amazing, Liverpool are back. But for me, I know I'm a United fan, but I think United lost, absolutely lost their heads. And if they'd have even stuck to any semblance of a plan after 2-0, it probably would have been 2-3-0. You know? Yeah, it reminded me very much of that City game, Scott, which yeah. I, was, I, was, I was in attendance at. And no, I, I'm not, I'm not I, if I was if I wouldn't worry about it. Yeah, it's going to hurt because of who it is against. It's against Liverpool. And it's not nice. But I think Eric Ten Hag, you know, I think it was... Um, no, I don't think it'd be that much of a reality check for him. I mean, he knows the weaknesses in this team. But I think it's just a reaction of some players. Obviously, we know Bruno Fernandes was getting a lot of stick in the media. I'm not jumping on a bandwagon. As you know, guys, I've never been a fan of his. I was I called him out after that Man City game, Scott, because I think he, he did exactly the same thing. He did the same thing in Leeds as well when I was watching that. I said, I don't... It's not criticising him for what he did on Sunday. I've never really seen it in Bruno. I don't, I don't get him. I don't know what he does particularly. I don't think he's a great player. I think he's an okay Creates more chances than anyone in the league, apparently. Uh, he also more yards wouldn't have to referees than any other player in the league, but I just don't think he's worthy of that armband. And but he wasn't the only one, you know. I, there wasn't many players I think can escape any criticism on Sunday. But I'd say David De Gea was one of them. I thought Roy Keane was very harsh on him, and the only goal that I would even question him on was the was the seventh. Apart from that, I don't think he did an awful lot wrong. I'll be honest. I don't know what you guys think. I don't think De Gea did a lot wrong. It's just, it was one of those days, wasn't it? It's was a freak result, number one. Those two teams played again. I'm sure it'd be a much more even contest. And it was for the first 43 minutes. It was very even. Um, United just, yeah, they mentally fell apart, didn't they, Scott? 2-0 down. After conceding that second goal so quickly, they needed to just regroup and get things together and just settle the game down for five, 10 minutes. And the players that we've seen kind of get games by the scruff of the neck, Casemiro, Varane, Martinez, the players who normally calm a situation down, didn't do that. But the goals you conceded were horrible. Just the ball bobbling around, not being able to put a foot on it and get it away. They were grim goals to concede. Um, and Liverpool have got a decent record, haven't they? Mo Salah's got a great record against United in particular. And it always happens. Players have got teams that they always perform well against. Unfortunately for United, they've seemed to have played Salah into a bit of form. And I think... Moving forward for the top four race, that could be quite key. I think I said to you last week, Scott, that I actually put 
Liverpool, not necessarily in the box seat, but I said I fancy them to get top four despite all of their frailties. And now they've done this, I annoyingly think they might go on a bit of a streak despite the difficult fixtures that you've mentioned. I thought this was coming, lads. As you know, I was at the Newcastle game and I saw Liverpool win that. And, and before the sending off, they were, they were creating an awful lot of chances. And you saw that front three of Gakpo, Nunes and Salah. It was at Newcastle where they were really good. And I, and I, I tipped them for top four after that game. I and tipped I think, them before that game. Well, there we go. Just, and I think, just so you know. And, and there are some plus points from this game for Eric Ten Hag. And I'll point one of them as being Cody Gakpo. The man who Eric Ten Hag wanted in January. The man who he said, despite all the Man United fans saying, no, he's not right, he can't play centre-forward. Once again, Eric Ten Hag is being proved right, Scott. He knew what he could do as a central forward. Unfortunately, you saw that on Sunday, him play an excellent game there. But I think it's another tick box for Eric Ten Hag. He said he could play there. And so I think if there's any dispute in the Manchester hierarchy when it comes to recommending players in the future, hey, he can point to that as well. So there are some plus points to Eric Ten Hag to take from Sunday. Well, nice tee up there because Eric Ten Hag does want a few uh, different players to bring in. It is pretty obvious. Uh, there's a, a fair bit of United to do here, but it's pretty obvious that they need to ship some out in the summer and that they need to bring a few in. Uh, let's start with the outs to start with. Uh, we wrote on nightmin.com uh, earlier this week that Harry Maguire is among a number of players that United are planning to sell this summer. You put Harry Maguire in there, club captain, Scott McTominay, Eric Bailly, Anthony Martial, Alex Tellez, Dean Henderson. United need to continue the transition of their squad. There's probably more than that as well on the fringes who will will be sold. There's probably questions about a number of other players as well. We obviously know that United did not cover themselves in glory at right back at the weekend, and that's been a problem position up until Aaron Wan-Bissaka's emergence. So there are, um, or re-emergence, I should say, there are a number of players that could be on the chopping block. United need to raise some money, regardless of whether the ownership changes or not. And uh, there are players who Eric Ten Hag has wanted for a long time that he still wants. Let's start with Frankie, shall we, Graham? Uh, tell us yeah, about yeah, yeah. what, uh, where we stand with that one. Yeah, you know, it's 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 a drum we've been banging for quite a while, Scott. And, you know, we there's obviously these quotes from Xavi saying he doesn't want to go, but and that he never wanted to join, etc. Frankie de Jong has been talking with Eric Ten, Hag, Eric Ten Hag since last summer, as we reported all along regular conversations. It didn't happen because of off-field situations with the finances. Barcelona, again this summer, are going to have to move things around. They want to sign um, a few more players, like Bernardo Silva and Lionel Messi, to say but two. Not easy to sign players of that calibre. And so De Jong is one of their most sellable assets as well. And and although he is a very good player, and I think he'd be a wonderful sign for Manchester United, I think you take Frankie De Jong out of that Barcelona squad, especially if it meant them bringing Bernardo Silva in, for instance. I don't think they massively miss him. But that's just purely because of what they've already got. You've got Gavi and Pedri there. You know, I think I think Barcelona are in a very fortunate position where they could lose De Jong and not miss him. Whereas if he does slot in at United, like Everton Hag, as we know, would like to, Scott, I think it'd be a sensational signing alongside Casemiro. And that's where we're at. We're, we're waiting to see what happens with Barcelona and De Jong. Hey, it might be another one of those summers of them arguing for the whole summer, Scott. We hope not. We, we, <laughs> we got a bit sick of it last summer. It might end up being that. But I think Barcelona now, especially if they press on with the messy interest, but now there's a lot of players they do want, and they know they can't sign them all. Although, as Barcelona, they'll probably try. 
but they know they can't sign them all. And I think De Jong will be one of those who they finally do allow at the exit door. But it'll be up to Barcelona to make it happen. Would you put Rafinha in that box as well? Do you know what? I'm hearing that more likely Torres and even Dembele might go before him, but it might be a matter of more clubs want Rafinha than those two. There's, there's a lot of players on the outskirts of this Barcelona eleven who they might listen to offers for. Uh, there are also other players that Frankie, not Frankie, <laughs> Eric Ten Hag would like to join Manchester United. I think we've uh, identified centre forward and obviously centre midfield as two of the primary options to upgrade. Gra- Graham, but just back to you, what are those positions? Are, are there more than that? How many players can you see United going for in the summer? We'll talk strikers in a second. Mm. Midfield and number nine are the main two. Um you know, he, he is looking at right back, the fullback area. I think it depends on Dalot, his future, and whether he does sign that isn't done yet. And, and obviously, it's centre half. In, in an ideal world, I'm told that Maguire, he, he wouldn't mind fighting for his place in the squad. But it's just, as we said with FFP, it's a matter of wages and stuff. You guys can't have that many players on huge money. And Maguire is one of the higher earners as well. So as we, if you look at the story we've written on 90 men, he may have to be loaned out, Scott, to get him out. It's, it's all very well United making these players available. But as we've seen, I Phil Jones, it's not always easy to move these players on. Although I think Maguire will have a lot of the Premier League interested. We know he's a very good player and there will be interest generated from him making him available. But yeah, um, goalkeeper is an interesting one as well. Obviously, depending on the De Gea talks, although I still think they'll bring another one in, but it doesn't depend. It looks like De Gea will sign a reduced um, a contract on reduced terms, but still a good deal. Um, so, yeah, number nine, centre mid, and I think a right back are his front first three priorities. Maybe a centre half depends on what happens with Maguire and maybe even Lindelof. Uh, Toby, there is a there's been an uproar over the weekend, and I think Graham's mentioned it already as well. Bruno Fernandes shouldn't be wearing that armband. Uh, it is according to our understanding that De Gea is one of the candidates who is keen for the captaincy uh, has been at United for a number of years does not strike me personally as the right pick. Uh, where do you stand on that? I think there's a certain player they signed last summer that is front and center for that. Yeah, I think with De Gea, the one thing that goes in his favor is that United have endured a lot of heavy defeats over the last few years. And the one constant in front of the media, the player who always seems to emerge to talk is David De Gea. And that's the sign of a, a senior player at the club who's obviously got the backing of the management to go out and kind of put up a front and explain what went wrong. And he's been willing Associated to Associated do... with heavy defeats, though. Yeah, but at least he's got it within him to kind of go out and front up. And he's been quite honest, hasn't he? When it's needed to be said how bad United have been, De Gea has said it. And OK, he's had some iffy performances himself in that time. But a lot of defeats like Sundays have not been on De Gea's shoulders, as Graham says. He could have done better with the last goal and there was maybe one other that he may have done slightly better with. But generally, De Gea's performance level is high constantly and you always want your captain to be playing at a certain level. Bruno Fernandes is a seven, an eight, a nine, or he's a two or a three. He is so up and down and Sunday was an example of him being completely absent from that game. And as Graham says, he spent more time arguing with the referee throwing himself to the floor when he felt the slightest bit of contact on the chin. Um, He doesn't strike me as the best kind of leader for United. 
I think Casemiro is a great fit for it personally. Look at what he's won at Real Madrid. Look at his career as a whole. Look at what he brings to United. He's always going to be a constant in that team. He's going to be first choice in the heart of midfield for a good three or four years. He, to me, is a player that United should be looking towards. And even Rafa Varane, if Rafa Varane can stay fit, it's these players who have been there and done it at the top level. They're going to bring the other players up to play alongside them as United progress, get back in the Champions League, etc. Um, I agree that Bruno shouldn't have the responsibility moving forward, but I don't know if Ten Hag is willing to pull the plug on that straight away and give it to Casemiro. There's no him. way he'll do it straight away. Yeah. No way. Um, this is a this is a decision that should be made in the summer, I think, especially if Harry Maguire is shipped out. You get through until the end of the season. Bruno's been captain for a, a lot of the time, and yes, he has been. His behaviour wasn't great, but I think he is getting victimised beyond belief at but the John, moment. It's not, I said, Scott, it's not a it's a regular occurrence with him, though, isn't it? It's not a one off. He does act like it does behave like. Oh it's, yeah, it's not a one off, absolutely. But I don't think you can. Casemiro can't speak English. You can't go and make Casemiro the new captain and upset Bruno Fernandes for taking the captain's armband off him in reaction going forward, to a Scott, match Marcus, that, that they've just... Marcus Rashford, Scott, going forward, maybe? Ca- Casemiro, hands down. It's it's Casemiro. One of the... If anything, that we've we've seen the, the lift in United's attitude, uh, the most decorated player they have alongside Rafa Varane, has won it all, has brought standards higher... Uh, Marcus Rashford may be the one after that, potentially, if he gets to 28, 29, and he's still there, and he's still playing as well as he is now, uh, or has been this season, but not for me at the moment. I think Casemiro is the one. Rafa Varane I can understand as well, but uh, that decision for me has to be made in the summer. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want to put the responsibility on Rashford. Let him continue to do what he's been doing for the past three or four months for the next two or three years. Allow him to keep scoring goals and evolving that forward line. Don't drag him into captaincy issues. He'll become a senior player, which he kind of already is, as the years go on. And it will become more of a natural fit for him to be in the leadership group. But I wouldn't put that kind of responsibility on him now or next season. I'd let him continue to flourish and work on his own game. Well, Luke Shaw, Luke Shaw, Scott, maybe. I know he had a bad game Talk, Sunday. Talking about fronting that, up, that, I do like but Luke that. Shaw. Was a rarity. That was, a, I think he's been, I think Luke Shaw, everyone goes on about Martinez. I think Luke Shaw's been by far your best defender this year. I think he's been great. And um, I'd agree with that. Um, he did come out fronted up after the 7 0 defeat, but again, mm-hmm. he has done that quite a lot. And I would just like to ideally see somebody who's not got a, a habit of fronting up after you get battered 5 6 7 0. Uh, to be the new captain, I think. How, how about just stop losing games by that? Just stop margin? losing. I think that's that's the main thing. Just stop yeah. losing. You've had some real stab. It's been you've had some real. To be fair, you've gone through quite a lot this season. Them two performances at, at the Etihad and Anfield have been two of the worst stab performances you've ever seen. Scott, United have conceded twenty goals against City away, Brentford away, Liverpool away, and Arsenal away. Twenty. That is not very good. That's well over. You've only conceded about. 34 35 this season so that's a huge percentage just in those four games compared to the other 20 odd exactly 35 goals they've conceded and let's let's look at it here i think i've got it 25 of those goals have been conceded in their six defeats right so that tells me that there's some mentality issue there that means that when one goes in or when two goes in that they can't deal with it and they need to find somebody to lead it who 
does not have a long history of that happening. Casemiro is the one for me. Anyway, uh, we need to move on to uh, the strikers and the attackers part because we have talked about United and their lack of metal for a while, but they also lack a goal threat through the middle. And we do have, Graham, two other players among a, a bunch of others. We've had Victor Osserman this week saying, it's my dream to play in the Premier League. We have also written this week about or last week about Mohamed Kudus. We've written this week about Man United scouting Benjamin Sesko. There are other reports surfacing again on Man United's interest in Harry Kane. What do you think they'll do here? Um, and what can you tell us about the interest that they do hold in number nine slash flexible forwards as it stands? Yeah, they, they are looking. Um, they've been doing the homework again. On, on Kudos, um, a player whose name we're keeping hearing an awful lot about. I think of all of them, I think he's the interesting one. I think he's been playing as a centre forward for Ajax for most of this year. And he's, if you look at his goal scoring record, it's phenomenal this year. Yes, it's in Holland, but so a lot of good players come from Holland recently. Um, it's a player who Ericsson Hag knows. He, tried, he looked at him in January, Scott, as an option as well. Um, so keep an eye on him. He's 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 a really interesting figure. I think he's big, strong. I think I think he'd be great in England. I think Kudos. I think he might end up being the one. Uh, Sesco, a player who you like, Scott. You wanted him in last summer. Um, we know he's currently at Salzburg um, on his way to Leipzig, but he hasn't signed for them yet. So there is that opportunity where United have been looking at him for a long time. The scouts like him a lot. Is he the one who comes in and Ten Hag can work with him? So yeah, it sounds strange. Isn't it? A six fifty, sixty million pound player is one to work on. But then when we do talk about the the Ossimans, the Keynes and the Vlaoviches for the 100 million plus, you know, are you United able to spend that much money on a striker and maybe also sign Frankie de Jong? It might have to be de Jong plus one of these other guys. And I think, I don't think there's there's one there who is a definite, um, who who they're saying, right, it's him or nothing. But, you know, they're doing the homework. The Harry Kane links won't go away. I, I just can't see United paying over 100 million for a 30-year-old who doesn't have the best injury record. I don't. I just can't see any ownership doing that. And we know that Daniel Levy doesn't want to sell, which is a huge thing um, as well. And we can't overlook that. He does not want to sell Harry Kane to United, and you can't overlook that. In, and, and then we get to Ossiman. The problem with Ossiman is, and it is the same old story, as we know, Scott, in the Premier League, when Chelsea are in for a player, they're, 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 we, we know that Napoli want at least £120 million for him, if not more. Again, that's a lot of money to pay. He, he would be great. He's going to be great for a lot of teams, but I think he, if he does leave, he's Chelsea-bound purely because of the money um, and what they can pay. But this number nine, it's, it's fascinating. You know, with any of these players, United are doing the homework. They're looking. Um, they will sign one of them, Scott. Don't know who you think. Which which one you think? Well, we know you like Harry Kane, but we'll see because obviously we did. A, we'll touch on it again in a minute on Harry Kane. That Bayern Munich still like him an awful lot as well. So. Um, a fascinating picture for United and number nines, but so many teams wanting number nines. It really is an interesting one, isn't it? Does Daniel Levy not want to sell Harry Kane to Manchester United enough to let him wind his contract down? That's the big question, really, isn't it? Do mm-hmm. you not take, I don't know, let's ballpark it, 80 million, for example, and let him go for free the following year? Can Spurs afford to do that, given I think- the debt that they've got mm-hmm. and other costs, etc.? I think he takes 80 million off Bayern Munich, Toby. 
Yeah. Do Bayern Munich pay eighty million? Do Real Madrid yeah. pay eighty million? I, th- I think I, I think Bayern Munich you'll get overall deal maybe. I think sixty seventy you're talking about you. I don't think Real Madrid have in the reckoning of Harry Kane it doesn't suit their where they're going Endrick, the mighty Endrick is only 12 months away Scott um, before we see him and, and still Mbappe as well but I, I think it's a really inter- interesting one and we have Spurs in the future the manager we'll look at that um, going forward in the future will the new manager we, we expect it we are really expecting Antonio Conte to leave Pochettino comes back in is Harry Kane there's so many dominoes to fall with Harry Kane I just don't see it. Didn't work the first time, Harry. (laughs) Yeah. um, But then again, hey, look, that nice new stadium, which which Poch will feel that he partly funded. Um, I I just don't see Harry Kane at United. I don't. I think he he will. He just ticks a lot of boxes. Of course he does. Number nine, he had so many goals. But I think that. I I think Ten Hag would quite like to go maybe down the Kudos Sesco route and be able to mold that player. Look at the work he's done on Rashford. Mm-hmm. And look at what he's done on Sancho. He brings one of those. I, I think he can see an absolute world-class gem. And United, what more would the hierarchy like? like? Even if the Qataris come in, there's nothing better than signing a like a Kudos or Sesco and making them world-class. That's what a lot of these teams do. And I think that's what United are going to have to do here. Anything to add there, Toby? I just I was thinking back to we went to Man United versus Barcelona. We went to the second leg of that Europa League game. I'm just imagining if Harry Kane had been up. For- Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. For United in that game, the dynamic of United's attack and how exciting that would have been. United won that game anyway, but Kane instead of Weghorst, who was ineffectual for the 45 minutes he was on, it would just I, be nice. Toby, just I, be I, nice imagine, I imagine you were sat there nudging Scott saying, what about me instead of Vekhorst at some point? <laughs> I almost nudged him and said, Frankie de Jong looks good, doesn't he? Because mm. um, Frankie, he didn't have a great game, but watching him in that midfield, I thought uh, he'd, he's the kind of player that United need because who did United turn to to bring on? Scott McTominay. And that's is, 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 that, is that some sort of thing you and United fans, Scott, would see as being you would accept that? Where, yeah, you'd love Harry Kane and De Jong, yeah, of course you would, but that's, that's a quarter of a billion pound there. Would you take that as a would you take De Jong, De Jong and then a Kudos Sesco, someone who's not quite that level yet but could be? I think the need for United to have a striker that works tomorrow is quite large and. For me, the reason why I would pick Harry Kane is he he is literally a plug and play. Kudus could take two, three. He's 21, I think, 20, 21 years old. Mm-hmm. He could take two or three years. So I think you get both, or you get a Kane and a Sesco, whether that's, it probably won't be in the same summer given United's uh, financial position at the moment. But for me, well, what, I mean, what do, do you do with midfield, though? You don't add another one? Oh, absolutely. They, they do need to. If, if I pick two, those two positions, Kane and Kane and De Jong in the summer is is it for me? And you deal with everything else later. You've got a lot of. I know that you've got a lot of players who are pushing who are thirty ish. Casemiro's in that. Varane's in that. But you need experience. And if you keep investing at those levels over the coming years, you can still get those younger players to take them on anyway. 
You also need somebody to come and replace Casemiro within the next two or three years because I, he I, can't play every three days. I agree. And I, th I think it's important that Eric Ten Hag doesn't have numerous players that he needs to bring on de and develop because mm -hmm. I still think Anthony is in that bracket, obviously. Mm -hmm. Had a really fast start. I think he scored in his first three Premier League games. Hasn't scored since and has been a bit in and out of the team. Gets hooked most of the time doesn't complete 90 minutes very often there's a lot of work still to do with him and look how much money he cost so I don't think Ten Hag can afford to have three or four project players who he's trying to develop a Harry Kane would be ideal because as Scott says you just stick him in and he knows the league has got a fantastic goal record England's record goal scorer you just go from there and you continue to work on Anthony and maybe one or two others at the same time Anyway, the options that are that we have talked about, this is not a Manchester United podcast. I've already done one of those today. You can check that out if you want. Um, <laughs> we'll talk about somebody else in a second. Uh, but I think those options that we have listed and Eric Ten Hag's judgment means that whichever one he really goes for, I think you can probably believe that he'll get it right eventually. And I think that is the overriding narrative uh, from Ten Hag's first season at Old Trafford, despite the fact that they got smash 7-0. Anyway, let's let's talk Harry Kane. Anything else to add there, uh, Graham, because we have mentioned Bayern Munich in relation to Harry Kane. Uh, Eric Maxim, Chupo Moting has signed a new deal this week, but uh, Bayern in the mix still firmly, right? Yeah, that he was part of the plan to make sure he was signed up um, as a backup. You know, he, he does that job really well. But yeah, they always wanted Harry Kane as well. So they've got Chupo Moting done, so not scrambling around in the summer. Kane is really the one they want, but as you say, I think if if the the thing behind this is is Kane's new contract, I think if he gets to someone refuses to sign his deal, that's when Bayern will do their thing. As you say, they won't be paying a hundred million for him, but it's where they do do they get that reduction? Do they with the first refusal back to Spurs? You know, I am biased on this one because I'd love to see him at Bayern Munich. I think he'd be absolutely perfect. You know, the, that Robert Lewandowski replacement that they've waited 12 months for, I think he'd be absolutely perfect there. And um, yeah, it's it's a really interesting one. Bayern still want him a lot. They, he's the one they've targeted. He's one they're hierarchy like. But as you say, Scott, they won't be willing to pay 100 million for him. 50 Bundesliga goals versus 30 Premier League goals and a Premier League goal record, which he's been after since the start of his career. Anyway. Uh, a few league winners medals, which he may never see in England. Potentially. But uh, two failing uh, parties coming together to win is quite romantic for me. Anyway, uh, Emmy <laughs> Martinez. Emmy Martinez is also on Spurs radar. They do need a new goalkeeper. Uh, Graham, what can you tell us about this one? The goalkeeping... I think this is one we we talked about the number nines. The goalkeeping situation is fascinating. There's going to be a lot of goalkeepers who are available here, from from your David Rear at Brentford to your Jordan Pickford. He has just signed this new deal at Everton. If he if Everton go down, he won't be staying there. He has everyone has to remember he's got the Euros to think about. The Euros, amazingly, are just over twelve months away. The final of the Euros in Germany. And he won't be going to Germany if he's in the championship with Everton. So he will be on the radar as well. Emmy Martinez, from our understanding, he really likes the sound of Tottenham. Obviously, he's got his mate Romero there. Tottenham need a keeper. They are moving on from Hugo Lloris. They've been offered Andre Nana, a player they liked from Inter. 
who will be available at a decent price. That's the only problem with doing these doing this internal Premier League business. They come with hefty price tags. Even if Pickford went down with Everton and was available, you're still talking what? I think they'd want. I think Everton would ask fifty million for him. I do yeah. with a new contract. It's frightening. That's just the Premier League prices. So it's really interesting here. Robert Sanchez at Brighton was always a one who was highly rated, but we've seen him. He got dropped at the weekend. Um, as well, um, lots of keepers on, on, on the agenda here, but yeah, Tottenham are moving on, and I think Emmy Martinez is pushing for this. And I keep an eye on this one, this could happen. Does that strike you as the right fit, Toby? Mm, not so sure, to be honest. Didn't Emmy Martinez sign a new deal at Aston Villa as well, relatively recently? I think, I think he did, but anyway, yeah, I, I do you not think so. I think I could see him, him and Romero at Tottenham. I could see it. I think, he's re- I think he's very Hugo Lloris, Emmy Martinez. He's either really good or mm, capable of winning complete... as well. Yeah, maybe yeah. Lloris of five, five years ago, which was very good. <laughs> so, so it might not be a bad thing. Probably anyway. a good Spurs level keeper signing, I would say. It's probably would you, which keeper would you take, TC? Which keeper, if you had Spurs and you had that choice of all these keepers, which one would you like? Which one would you take as Spurs? Uh, Pickford, maybe. I actually probably would. Mm. I think Jordan Pickford has done enough for Everton to show. I think that he's he been great this season. This season, yeah, he's been great. I think he's delivered enough over the years there to to earn another move and have a crack at a team trying to play. European football, because Pickford's not really sampled that, has he? He's only had a chance to shine for England, and he's very rarely let them down. He's had a few anomalies with Everton, but yeah, I think he deserves to push on. We'll wrap up on Spurs quickly, and well, we'll come back to Spurs in a second. I just wanted to ask you guys, with the Conte uncertainty slash nearing certainty that I don't, I don't want to put a certain word on it. I don't want to say it's certain to happen at the moment, but it's looking like Conte and Spurs part in the summer. Toby, who do you think, like, if that is to happen from your perspective, and I'll ask you this, Graham, as well after, who's the right fit to step in there? I can't think is of it any- Pochettino? Yeah. Uh, weirdly, I think it is. I can't think of anybody else who, if Daniel leave, it depends who has to say, doesn't it? Is it Daniel Levy? Or is it Fabio Paratici? Actually, Levy appointed Conte, didn't he? Which was utterly bizarre and not the kind of manager that you think Levy would go after. You'd expect him to plump for Poch and go for the old romantic pick and rebuild from the ground up. But would Paratici give that much power to Pochettino? I don't think he'd want to. Um, but I don't know who else is... Thomas Spurs Frank. Do- I don't know if he wants to do it, you know. I think he is enjoying himself so much at Brentford and they're clearly on a great journey. Would he want to give that up right now to go to Spurs in the summer? I don't think he could be convinced. I don't know what you think, Graham. Yeah, um, I think we'll be do- we'll doing a story about this, actually, pretty much next 40 hours on Tottenham. Um, a lot of people within the club think it's a matter of when Conte leaves or having if, you know, just coming to a natural conclusion... I don't think it'd be too bitter. I think everyone's expecting it now, aren't they, really, guys? So, um, yeah, it's Pochettino. It should be Pochettino. The question is, will will Spurs overthink it? You know, Danny, obviously, Deserby's name's coming up. He's doing a wonderful job at Brighton. I, I would throw another name in there who, who we understand Danny Levy's always been a fan of is Brendan Rodgers. He's always liked him. He came close at one point. He, he, he could do some wonders with that squad. But 
Pochettino, you know, if Pochettino comes in, I think he's got a bit of a, a bonus card here. If he comes in, surely he is the one manager who guarantees Harry Kane signs a new deal. And I if think he that can, is incredible. If Harry Kane signs a new deal because Pochettino comes back, good grief. <laughs> Well, I, 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 I think I think that's a real possibility. You know, Pochettino must drive. He lives in North London still. Um, he's there often. He must drive past that stadium, and he probably considers that as the stadium that he built. He helped finance. He's got unfinished business there. We know that. I, he, I, if if I was Dan Levy, I wouldn't overthink it. You, you bring Poch back. We know he's turned down the um, approaches from Chelsea. He's still high, held in very high regard. He, I think Villa tried for him as well. You know, I, I think he's waiting for Tottenham. And I think it's. Uh, I think they will get back together. Never go back, in my opinion. Anyway, I'm sure that there's some Spurs fans who would like that. I just think Thomas Frank is ready for that step up. I think he will inevitably hit a ceiling at some point. I think he has the charisma. He has the ability to work with individuals and develop them. I think that is perfect for Spurs. And I think you've already it's done that with Pochettino. Look, look what's happened to Graham Potter, you know. Finishing ninth in the Premier what, League is not What can to Tottenham top, expect to with the amount of investment that they are going to put into that team? What can they expect? Four? Fourth every every year? With everybody else spending that much money? I think this Tottenham team this year is underachieved. I think this Tottenham team should be above Manchester United. I'm not saying they should chance the top two, but Tottenham should be in third with this squad. Anyway, we'll move on. Uh, they are looking to uh, potentially bring in some other new players. They were among some clubs at the weekend, including Liverpool, to scout two Benfica players, Graham. Yeah, um, they played, I can't remember which club it was, Familiar Chow, I think they were playing. Um, Goncalo Ramos on the score sheet twice. We'll talk, probably speak to him about him in the number nine. We did forget to mention his name, Scott, a player who United have looked at in the past. Um, good number nine. But it, yeah, it was... Um, Antonio um, Silva and Florentino. Yes, the young centre-half, teenage centre-half, who's getting a lot of plaudits. He, he looks it looks a real deal, very good, right-hand right side. So, although Spurs might want a left-sider, he, he still looks at, at some player. And Florentino, the defensive midfielder, who's very good as well. So, you know, Liverpool were there as well, watching a pair of them. Um, they probably say they're watching others as well. But, yeah, two, two very good players. And, um, yeah, that's two positions that Spurs are looking at, you know, Centre half is a position we know they're looking at. Midfield now, a bit more pressing, having lost Benteke. They give Basuma a chance. It's a tough one, that one, isn't it? Because we know Benteke hopes to be fit for the start of the season, but it's probably a question mark after that horrible injury. So, yeah, a um, bit of work to do for Spurs off field. But, and obviously, is it Paratici doing it or is it Levy? We know. I think Paratici is a really interesting conversation to be had. You know, there's still question marks with this Juventus investigation ongoing. Does he have a long-term future at the club? Um, really interesting summer coming up for Tottenham. Let's move on and briefly swipe through uh, a few things that are in common at Arsenal, Manchester City and Newcastle United. Talks over a new deal for Reese Nelson at Arsenal, Rico Lewis at Manchester City, Bruno Guimaraes at Newcastle as well. Uh, Graham, I'll come back to you. Yeah, the latter two look more like Rico Lewis. Reward for his progress, really. He's, got, you know, he's come from nowhere this season. Um, I think he'd be in England on 20 on squad. He's even been mooted for the senior squad. I think it's a bit early for that. Um, but yeah, City confident that will be put to bed pretty soon. Bruno Guimaraes just collected his North East Football Writers Player of the Year award. Um, on at the weekend, um, yeah, Newcastle are in talks with him. He 
they're quite confident this one. By the end of the season, he'll be their highest paid player. Just reward for his progress as well. Real Madrid have been looking, but he's very settled there at the moment. So I don't really see an issue with that one. Um, I say Real Madrid have looked, but we don't we don't really see that one happening. Um, Reese Nelson, really interesting one. Um, out of contract end of the season, he's twenty three already. Reese Nelson, which I think says a lot. Really, I just think he does want to stay. But he's got an awful lot of interest out there from a lot of clubs, Toby's West Ham being one of them. I just think at 23, where is he in the pecking order? I think he's probably fourth choice in certain positions. He might sign from what I'm hearing. He does does like it there, but he's not going to get any guarantees over playing time. So don't be surprised if he does move on. Reese Nelson, Toby, uh, getting that winner the other day which sent Arsenal fans into raptures. Uh, his third Premier was... League goal in his third Premier League appearance this season, I may add. That's how I little he's played. That's how Toby, little Toby's got his West Ham hat. He's liking the sound of his guy, isn't he? Toby's He'd be our top scorer with that record, mate. Yeah, Jesus. Uh, was that the day that Arsenal won the Premier League, Toby? Mm, not going to commit to that yet, <laughs> but uh, those are the games that you have to win. And they've done it what four times now this season. Scored like in Sir Alex time. It was like Sir Alex. That, that that did remind me of United at the peak. Scott, that when they were all running on the pitch, it did. It was reminiscent of United, wasn't it? Got that feeling, hasn't it? To come back from two 0 down, okay, Bournemouth, bottom of the league, going into it, you'd have said Arsenal should have steamrolled them. You got to show a bit of character and a bit of fight to do that, and you can see what it meant. I've not seen a reaction like that at Arsenal, maybe ever. Not even in the Wenger years. Even the um, people who were there said the same. Yeah. Yeah. So a significant moment, I think, um, and a significant statement to City who are chasing them hard. They're not going to give this up easily. And if they, as I say, four stoppage time goals that have all been winners, it kind of shows you the mentality they've got. They're pushing to the end in every single game. And is delighted, it, obviously, for Reese Nelson. Just to play devil's advocate here, is there also not a flip side to this? Is that they're conceding far more goals than they used to be and they are getting themselves out of jail and Man City are only five points behind them? They are, yeah. I don't. I think we're kind of seeing Arsenal slip back towards the level we expected them to be at at the start of the season. But we didn't expect to see them be able to fight their way to three points the way that they are doing so. And the fact that they've done it in not consecutive games, but the Aston Villa game, was recently as well when it looked for all the world that they were going to drop points there and they didn't. So, yeah, they're starting to ship one or two more goals and they, I think their clean sheet record has dropped um, substantially since the World Cup. But they're still getting three points most weeks and that's all they can do. If you, if you both had to pick one team to win it now? Still picking City because I just think they're going to go on a run. I, I'm also picking City. Still, city on goal difference. I think, yeah, it could be that close. Interesting, anyway. Let's move on to uh, sorry, if you're an Arsenal fan, sorry about the <laughs> I know that people like to see Arsenal being picked what, as title. What does what does Harry say, Scott? Out of interest, uh, if he was here behind the camera today, uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'd give you an answer, but. They see. They seem convinced that they're they're going to do it with every passing week. I just think City are too close. Still, I think it's starting to get. A ch- I think. I think De Bruyne, the, the the issue that Arsenal have is you can see that 
so I think Pep stopped. He stopped overcomplicating as as well, and De, De Bruyne and Foden have started to tick, and Silver as well, and you know he started to go back to his basics, hasn't he? Like because that City team. I mean, I, see if you told me after that Manchester derby, which we alluded to before, Scott, after that game, if you said that Arsenal would be ahead of City at this point, I would have been a bit, been staggered because that was one of the best performances I've ever seen live from a team. But um, in fact, it's an it's it's it, it. I think it's interesting because there's so many more games left than we're used to because of the World Cup. You know, this running now, there's still what is it, twelve twelve games still to go. It's an awful lot of points still to play for. Yeah, there is, and I'm looking at. I look at Man City's running. The big games that they do have to play are at home. Uh, they have Liverpool at home, Arsenal at home, and. The, they could literally win every game until the end of the season. Arsenal still have to go to Anfield. They still have to go to Manchester City. They still have to go to Newcastle. They still have to play Chelsea. That's There's where plenty histor- of twists. That's where historic records come into it. We said at the start of the show about United going to Anfield. Arsenal have got bad records at some of those grounds. So, yeah, they're, they're going to drop points. And that's if where Arsenal I think can't beat Chelsea, they don't deserve the title. <laughs> anyway, let's let's move on. Uh, speaking of Chelsea, a former Chelsea target, Adrian Rabio, there is an update on his future. Uh, what can you tell us, Graham? Yeah, Rabio, remember, he's a free, big free agent in the summer. Um, he's he's not definitely leaving Juventus, you know, guys. I think Juventus is still up there. He's he's putting himself around. I think the few Premier League teams, we've seen Liverpool, Manchester United, Tottenham, all inquiring the last 12 months about him. Obviously, United had major talks in the summer. In the summer, wasn't it? Rather than January, summer. Um, about him, the Premier League clubs are again. They're not completely, from what I'm hearing, not convinced that he does actually want to play in England. His people are saying, "Yeah, he does, he does," but I think there's a little bit of hesitancy from these English clubs, thinking, "Do you really want to come over here?" I'm not so sure. So, but his people are saying he does. Um, he is one of the big Bosman frees available this summer, so it's one to keep. Now he's just he's letting these clubs know his agents are that he's still available. He's happy to have talks now. And so, yeah, want, want to keep an eye on. Um, would you like him as a De Jong in, instead of him? Oh, we've United seem to have been there already. already. Yeah. And uh, Veronique, Veronique yeah, Rabio, uh, his mum. Sorry, my internet froze a bit there. Uh, anyway, Veronique Rabio stopped it happening in United San Casemiro, which is... Uh, an upgrade Sliding for the moment, isn't it? <laughs> uh, to round off today's show, a few big-name players. Let's go with Kvaradona to start with. Napoli are confident of keeping him uh, at Napoli, Graham. They're going to win Serie A. Despite a recent defeat, they're going to they're win Serie A. They're so far ahead. Surely, it would be a, a collapse of mammoth proportions. But Victor Osman, Kvaratskhelia, both two players who are garnering a lot of interest from clubs across Europe. Napoli are confident of keeping the winger, though. Yeah, at least for this summer. You know, I think Napoli, in their business plan, probably aiming to sell. Not aiming to sell, but no, they might have let one of them go. Osterman's that one. He's been there a bit longer. He's proven himself. But he won't be cheap. Remember, they paid £70 million for Osterman, so they think about that. But Cavaradona, as we know, Napoli think they've got the best player in the world at the moment. They really do. And I don't think any of us here would argue with that particularly. And so, if if anyone did want him, he he De Laurentiis really would be asking one fifty for him. 
Um, and so, yeah, he's going to get a new contract rewarded. But, yeah, he, he doesn't look as if he's moving this summer. There is interest in England, um, Man City and Newcastle, both like him an awful lot. Um, every major club in Europe likes him. Who wouldn't like him? Um, but, no, I don't think. I think a new deal is coming his way. And he won't be the big Napoli sale. I think that will be awesome. Two other players to mention, big names as well. Josco Gvardiol, Jude Bellingham. Both have similar caliber of clubs after them. We've done enough Jude Bellingham chat over the past few weeks. You can read the latest on nightmen.com as well. Uh, Manchester City, Real Madrid, uh, Liverpool in for him, Chelsea linked with Gvardiol in the past. Both in similar positions, though, uh, in terms of taking their time over their future decisions. Yeah, Vardiol, you know, his move to Chelsea didn't happen last last summer and then a bit afterwards. He's taking his time. He's He's got an awful lot of interest, Scott. You know, is there a, is there a more highly rated defender in the world than him at the moment? Don't think so. Liverpool are looking at him strongly now. Man City are looking at him. Uh, Chelsea, apparently, still in for him, which... Yeah, it doesn't surprise any of us. <laughs> They're still looking at him as well. Um, and Real Madrid like him a lot. You know, anyone think, oh, Real Madrid don't need him. After Rudiger and Militao, they're playing David Alaba at centre-half. So there is room at Real Madrid for Vardiol. And um, yeah, so from my understanding, Vardiol and Bellingham, very much their top two targets for the summer. And we'll see. Vardiol's going to take his time. He's going he's to have his choice, like Bellingham. He's gonna, it's going to be up to the player. But hey, we could very well see them too in the white of Real Madrid come the summer. I did uh, speak to Michael Owen. You can read that on nightmen.com very soon about Jude Bellingham. He played for Real Madrid and Liverpool. Uh, he was small for choice, essentially, he said. Uh, Toby, what would you do <laughs> in Bellingham's case? Uh, I think I've said before, Real Madrid's the, the clear and obvious choice for me. Um, I can't see a sign of why he should waver from that. I know they've uh, had a bit of a sticky patch recently, but yeah, Real Madrid all day long, isn't it? We'll see. Liverpool seem confident on the signing of Jude Bellingham. Uh, we will, I'm sure, have updates over the next few weeks about what he does decide to do, if and when he decides. And uh, we will be back with another Talking Transfers next week as well. Maybe we'll have some Jude Bellingham in that one. But as for today, that's it. Please subscribe if you're still listening on all your major podcast platforms and follow us on Twitter at underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey. Thanks both. Uh, you can read nightymin.com for all the latest. Go to nightymin.com forward slash trans. Is it transfers, Toby, or transfer? I think it's transfer. I should know that, shouldn't I? We really yeah. should know that. 90 min.com forward slash categories forward slash transfer. So just to complicate it for you, but well worth checking it out because every transfer story that we do appears in that one place. Maybe we'll put that in the link description as well so you can read everything that comes from us. Anyway, uh, thanks both. We'll speak to you very soon. Uh, thanks for listening, everyone. This has been Talking Transfers. Until next time, thanks for watching. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.